right, well, let's pray. And then we're going to dig into 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Father God, tonight, again, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for the opportunity, God, uh, for the fellowship we've had, for the food we've had. God, we're so thankful. And we're thankful now that we can open up your word. And God, we can't, we can't open up your word and understand it without your spirit. So God, may your spirit just lead us tonight. God, help us to understand the words that we're going to read together. And God, I pray that we won't just be hearers of your word, but we'll be doers. God, help us to embrace your word in such a way that we will live it out loud. Uh, God, tonight we're so thankful for Jesus. Thank you for his perfect life. Thank you for his sacrificial death. And God, thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for just giving us life, life to the full and life eternal through Jesus. Uh, God, again, it's not something that we can earn. Uh, It's definitely not something we deserve. Uh, God, even at our best, uh, we are filthy rags compared to the righteousness of Jesus. So thank you for Jesus. And God, it's in his name we pray tonight. Amen. All right. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul encouraged believers with a very important truth, and that is this. As children of God, the spirit of the living God indwells us. Uh, That was really what Paul told us in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. The spirit of the living God indwells us. And because the spirit of the living God indwells us, he enables us, right? He empowers us to live life, to look like and live like Jesus Christ, to love like Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul told us in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 that the old covenant, which was law, is what reveals our sin and condemns us to death. But it is now replaced by the new covenant. And the new covenant is the grace of God through Jesus Christ. It's His life, His death, and His resurrection. Uh, The grace of God, that's the new covenant that we are baptized, right? We are baptized uh, by the Holy Spirit of God because of His grace. And so the Spirit of the living God indwells us so that we can have life, life to the full and life eternal. And, and I love that because we're not really going really to leave that theme, but we're going to build on it. So here's what we're going to see tonight. Believers, right, believers are empowered and enabled to live out the victory of Jesus and live out the glory of God, thanks be to the Spirit of the living God who indwells them. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul is going to point believers to the grace of God, which also empowers us, enables us to carry the gospel to the world. Think about that for just a minute. You and I cannot go out and tell people the good news without the Spirit in us. The Spirit in us is the one who enables us, empowers us to go out and tell people the good news. We can't do that in and of ourselves. We have to do that through the grace of God by the Spirit of God. And so the Spirit of God who enables us and empowers us to live in the victory of Jesus and to live in the glory of God is also the one who empowers us and enables us to go out and carry the gospel, the gospel, the good news into the world. So tonight, in this passage, what we're going to see is that Paul, he's not lifting himself up. He's lifting up the treasure that is within him. 
He's lifting up the treasure that he possesses. He's lifting up Jesus, the gospel message. That is his treasure. And so tonight, the message is entitled, Treasure in Jars of Clay. And guess who the jars of clay are? Yeah, you, me, us. We are the jars of clay. And if the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God is in us, then we have treasure, right? And that treasure is to be poured out. It is to be shared with anybody and everybody we come in contact with. So let's dig in. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we're going to look at the first six verses. The Bible says, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Now, I want to to share with you real quick. Remember, 2 Corinthians, most theologians agree that 2 Corinthians is the letter that Paul, he is heartbroken. And he is pouring his heart out to this church. And so notice in this very first verse in chapter 4, he says, therefore, since through God's mercy we even have this ministry, we do not lose heart. So in other words, even though he's brokenhearted, right, God still got his heart. (laughs) And so he has not lost heart. He says we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age, and notice, that's little G-O-D. Do you see that? The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Christ as Lord, and ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. I'm going to tell you, this is a powerful six verses. Uh, we, We haven't even got halfway into this chapter, and Paul is laying it out there. So first of all, I want you to see this. In the struggles, and Paul was facing struggles. He was facing struggles personally, but he was also facing struggles corporately with this church. And so in the struggles, what did Paul focus on? He focused on God's mercy, and he did not quit. Let me ask you a question. Has anybody in here ever been discouraged in ministry before? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably more people than actually raise their hands. Uh, maybe you just didn't want to raise your hand publicly. But I'm going to tell you, we, we get discouraged, don't we? We get discouraged all the time. Sometimes we discourage one another, right? Gospel ministry is not easy because we are sinful ourselves, Right? No amens on that one? There we go. Yes, we are sinful ourselves and we're dealing with the sins of others. So so that's not going to be easy, right? That's like sandpaper to the wood, right? The sandpaper, even the sandpaper uh, gets 
rubbed down and gets rubbed raw, right? It's not just the wood that's, uh, that's getting, um, you know, hurt in the process. The sandpaper's getting hurt too. And so gospel ministry is hard, but notice this, even in the struggles, what did Paul focus on? He focused on God's mercy. And because he was focused on the mercy of God, he said, I will not lose heart. You know what that means? It means I'm not quitting. That's what it means. Paul says, I am not quitting. I am not quitting. Even though this is hard, even though I'm heartbroken, I'm not quitting. I do not lose heart. Why did he not lose heart? Because he was focused on God's mercy. Remember what I told you all along. This is personal, right? This is personal for Paul. The false teachers, what were they doing? They were attacking his character. They were attacking his motives in ministry. Um, They were attacking his companions. And the false teachers actually attacked the gospel message that Paul was sharing. And and so Paul, um, he, he was getting hit from every angle, from every side, front, back, side. He was getting attacked. Um, but in the struggle, he focused on God's mercy. And he said, we, we don't lose heart. We're not quitting. So Paul uh, makes it very clear to this church that he did not use deceit. Did you notice that in those first few verses? He says, I do not use deceit, nor do I use distortion when it comes to the word of God. Rather, I speak the truth. That's what Paul said. Paul said, I have not used deceit. I'm not trying to trick you. I'm not taking the word and twisting it and making it fit my agenda. No, I'm just teaching you the word and preaching you the word that I have. He said, it's the truth. It's the gospel truth. Do you know who the father of deceit is? Do you know who the father of lies is? Satan. Satan is the one who uses deception. Satan is the one who uses distortion. He's the one who wants to twist the Word of God and make it work for him. Don't you know he did that in Genesis? Yeah, in the very beginning, Satan twisted, right? Twisted the Word of God with Adam and Eve to make it work for his agenda. And so Satan is using the false teachers. Now don't miss this. He's using the false teachers to accomplish his agenda. You know what that means, right? Satan can get in your head and get in my head. He can get in your heart and get in my heart. And if we're not careful, we'll be tools. We'll be tools of his agenda. We got to be careful. We got to be careful. We got to be true to the word. I mean, we have got to pray over it. And we got to pray, God, help me. Help me hear your word clearly and help me proclaim your word clearly. Not for my agenda, not for my kingdom, God, for you, for your kingdom's sake. And and so Paul was, yes, he was defending himself, but in truth, you know what he was doing? He was defending the gospel message that he was preaching. And and so that's what we see here. Uh, Paul makes it very clear, even though Satan, right, even though Satan is defeated, he still has power in this world, right? He still has power in this world. And how does he use that power? He uses it to blind the minds of unbelievers. Understand this, right? Satan has been defeated. That is settled. I don't know if you know that or not. He, he's, he's working in defeat and from defeat. Because Jesus on the cross said, It is finished. Three of the most powerful words that have ever been spoken by the most powerful man who ever lived. He said, It is finished. In other words, I have accomplished what Father God 
sent me here to do. Jesus said, it is finished. When he did that, and when he said that, Satan was defeated forever, forever and ever and ever. But even though he's defeated, he still has power in this world. And he's using that power to blind the minds of unbelievers. Paul was not intentionally veiling the gospel. If you'll remember last week, we talked about the veil, right? And how Moses, you know, veiled himself and how the glory of the law was fading. So Paul, he uses a play on words here and he talks about that veiling again. But Paul made it very clear. He was not intentionally veiling the gospel and the glory of God. To veil means to cover up. It means to conceal. It means to obscure or to hide. And so if the gospel message and the glories of God were being veiled right here and right now, Paul said it's the work of Satan. It's the work of Satan. And he said he's blinding, he's veiling the minds and hearts of unbelievers. That's what he's doing. And so Paul says, here's the people we're trying to reach and we've got to preach the truth to them and we can't get discouraged because if we get discouraged, we're likely to do what? Quit. And so Paul's message is really clear. When you get heartbroken, right? When the attacks come against you personally or even if attacks come against you corporately, don't lose heart. Don't stay in discouragement. Don't quit. Don't give up. You keep proclaiming the gospel truth because the gospel truth is the only way unbelievers' hearts and minds are going to be unveiled. You understand that? So we got to keep on keeping on. Amen? Don't we say that a lot? Hey, just keep on keeping on. we got to keep on keeping on. So what did Paul do? Let me tell you what Paul did. Paul preached Jesus. How many times has Paul said, I know the law. I used to live the law. But does Paul preach the law? No. He preaches Jesus. Why does he preach Jesus? Because Jesus is the light and the life. And Paul made that very clear. He made that clear to believers and he tried to make that clear to unbelievers. You are saved by grace through faith, right? In Jesus Christ. Nothing else. No one else. The law can't save you. It was never given to save you. Jesus saves. And so Paul preached Jesus. And Paul said Jesus is the light. He is the life. Paul had the light in his heart. Don't you love that? Paul said he had the light in his heart. How? Through the Spirit of the living God. Again, chapter 3. And that is what he was sharing. That is what he was shining, right? He was shining his light, the light of Jesus Christ. And so what we've got to remember is we've got to remember that we can't save anyone. But, oh, we got the one inside of us who can save. Amen? Right? You can't save anybody. I can't save anybody. I mean, the preacher don't save people. You know what the preacher does? He pours out the gospel message and he points people to Jesus who is the Savior and who can save. And so that's what Paul was doing. And so you and I, if we can't save anyone, guess what else we can't do? We can't transform somebody. As much as we want, right? As much as we want people to dig in the Word and grow up in the Word, you and I can't transform people. Again, guess who does the transformation? God, God transforms people through the Holy Spirit, right? And so Paul understood this. Paul says we are vessels. 
We are vessels. We are God's instruments, right? Just like Satan can get in people and use people, (laughs) God can get in people and use people, and boy, some powerful stuff can take place. Marty was reading an article to me on the way tonight. Uh, There's a revival taking place up in Ohio. Am I right, Marty? On a college campus. They are busing students from other colleges to this one campus and for 97 straight hours, the gospel is being preached and people are being saved. They ain't stopped. What would happen on a Sunday morning if you just said, Brother Jeff, keep on preaching. Keep on preaching. And I just kept my Bible open. What if God got in me and gave me the strength and energy that he gives me when I'm running my marathons? <laughs> what, what, if, what if God did that? And what if people just kept coming in the doors? What if you said, I got to go grab somebody and bring them in to hear the message? God can do whatever He wants, whenever He wants, with whomever He wants. You know why? Because He's sovereign. And how dare me ever get in the way of that? Or how dare me ever minimize what God can do, right? I mean, I tell people all the time, I've just lived with the fact that I'm never going to get my total voice back. Okay? I talk too much. But I like to preach. I like to preach. And so when somebody says, can you come preach? I, I can't say no. It's hard to say no. Celebrate recovery, men's retreats, this church, that church. You give me the chance to talk about Jesus, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Got to give me the voice I need, when I need it, how I need it. So, all about being vessels, right? All about being His instruments. Oh, I love this passage of Scripture. Back in the, uh, back when I was youth pastor, when I first started, back in 93. Whew, that's older than some of you are. Some of you aren't even... 30 yet, but uh, back in 93 when I was a youth pastor, a praise and worship band came out, and the name of that praise and worship band was Jars of Clay. Oh man, that first album they came out with, I remember bringing that up into the youth room uh, and playing that album over and over. My kids got so tired of Jars of Clay, (laughs) but I loved them, and uh, as a matter of fact, if any of you have watched the Chosen series, um, the man who directs the music for the Chosen series... His name is Dan Hazeltine. He's the lead singer of Jars of Clay. So he's been around a long time. But anyway, here it is. Look at this, verse 7. So Paul says, I preach Jesus. He is the light. He is the life, right? The spirit of the living God indwells me. I am his vessel. Look at verse 7. But we have this treasure. And I want to highlight the word treasure, right? Because this whole chapter is not about the jar of clay. It's about the treasure that is in the jar of clay. He says we have this treasure in jars of clay. And here's why. To show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side. You remember what I told you about Paul? He was feeling the heat, right? No matter where he went, he was being attacked. Why? Why? You remember what Jesus said to his followers? The world hates you. Why? Because the world first hated me. So if you got Jesus in you and you preach Jesus, the world's going to hate you. So you better get ready, right? It's going to happen. If you're not being attacked, right, by the world, maybe it's because you ain't preaching with your mouth and your life. If Satan ain't coming after you, maybe he's satisfied. Maybe he's satisfied with what you're doing, right? Think about that for just a minute. 
Jesus said, if, if the world hates you, it's because the world hated me first. And so think about this. He says, we are hard-pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Man, I love that passage. Verse 10, we always, look at this, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. Why? So that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. Why? So that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Man, this is an awesome passage of Scripture. So let's look at it. Paul said that believers are jars of clay carrying within them a valuable treasure. Believers are jars of clay carrying within them a valuable treasure. I believe in Scripture this is one of those powerful who am I, whose am I, and why am I moments. You've heard me say that a lot over the past few weeks, right? I want you to know who you are, whose you are, and I want you to know why you are. And the reason I'm going to keep preaching that is because there are so many people that are asking the question, why am I here? You can't answer the question, why am I here, without first answering the question, who am I? And when you answer the question, who am I, you're really answering the question, whose am I? God created you. God created me in His image. The reason you have breath in your lungs is because God put it in you, right? He put His mouth, right, on your nostrils and breathed life into your body. So God created you in His image, and He created you, right, to glorify Him. Let's just make it real simple. You were created to glorify God. If we could get that, man, we'd get a lot. That's your purpose. That's your why. And so I believe this is one of those who am I, who's am I, why am I moments. And, and you'll also see throughout chapter 4, you heard me say the word since and so that. Did you hear that? And I, and, and I ain't done yet. He said since and so that seven times. In, in chapter 4, seven times. Now, how many days of the week are there? There's seven days of the week. I don't believe in coincidences. I don't believe it's a coincidence that he used the phrase since and so that seven times in chapter 4. That's one for each day of the week. He says that we are in Christ and Christ is in us. And since he is in us, we can live so that lives. I have a so that life. You're going, what in the world are you talking about? I belong to, to God. I belong to God. I am His child. I am His ambassador. We're going to get there later in the Second Corinthians, right? He's going to tell us we are His ambassadors. But I'm going to live a so that life. What do you mean, Brother Jeff? I was created by God for God so that, so that others can know Him so that God can be glorified, so that others can experience the love of God. I want to live a so that life. I hope you want to live a so that life, right? 
He said, since Christ is in you, live this way. The light that we carry in our hearts. He talked about that light right earlier in this passage. The light that we carry in our hearts should shine. It should shine so brightly so that, so that Christ is the one magnified, not us. Amen? Okay, I was waiting. Because I don't know about you, but I, I struggle. Like, like people ask me about running. Somebody asked me about my shirt tonight, my St. Jude shirt. And uh, I, I said, yeah, I, I love St. Jude. I love running. I love, you know, I love that whole thing. But I like to win. Does anybody else like to win? Yeah. I, 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 it's hard for me to play games, right, and have fun if I'm losing. I like to win. Like, I just, I like to win. Um, and, and, you know, I struggle with the fact of people knowing me as a winner. I, like, I want to be known as that, right? And what happens is if we're not careful, we can carry that fleshly desire of wanting to be known. Right? Wanting to be known as a winner. Wanting to be known for doing this, known for doing that. You know what Paul says? Paul says, I just want you to know Christ. I just want you to know Christ. Paul didn't care if you remembered his name or not when he preached the message. Because the only name that mattered was Jesus. Man, I want to get there. I want to be there. Right? I don't want people to come to Start Baptist Church to listen to Brother Jeff preach. I want people to come to Star Baptist Church because they know Jesus Christ is going to be preached. That's what I want, right? I, I don't want people, I don't want us as a church going, hey, look at Star Baptist Church. Hey, look at us. No, I want us as a church saying, hey, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. You don't ever have to say my name. You don't ever have to say our name. Praise God for Jesus. And that's what Paul's talking about. Paul's talking about living a so that life, right? Jeff, you're not preaching the gospel message so that people will know you're a good preacher. You're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ so that people will know Jesus. Like he'll be the one that is magnified. He'll be the one that's glorified. He'll be the one they remember. That, that's what Paul is. That's what Paul is. He's, I believe he's preaching to himself and to the church, right? Because Paul was passionate. This was a passionate guy. Let me tell you about these jars of clay. Uh, I, I love this. Um, throughout Scripture, um, the jars that people carried were very important. Like it was, a, it was a lifeline to their home, right? They would have to go miles and miles to either wells or to a river. And guess what they would fill those jars up with? Water. And do you know what happens when we don't have water? We die. So jars of clay were used to be filled with water, which was a physical lifeline. Think about it. It was a physical lifeline to families and to communities. Why would Paul use that phrase in this passage? Jars of clay. Because as Christ followers, we have this valuable treasure inside of us, right? More valuable than anything else. And what good is it sitting in the jar? Like they could go fill these water jars up and then just sit them down and never use them. What's the point in that? Those jars of clay were used to what? Pour out water. Pour out water. 
And so what good is it if me and you come to church every Sunday or every Wednesday or whatever and we just keep getting all this Jesus, getting all this Jesus, and we just let it sit there? What good is that? might be good for you. But, but how is that good for others? And what does, what does Jesus preach throughout the gospel? Serve others. Love others. Go to others. Pour out, right? Pour out to others. So these jars of clay, Paul makes it very clear right here. These jars of clay are fragile. You know what they were? They were earthen vessels. That means they were made of dirt. Jars of clay, right? They were earthen vessels. But the treasure, the treasure in these jars of clay, which is you and me, by the way, these treasures they carry, it's the gospel, right? It's the gospel. It's Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection. And, and Paul says it is the power of God. Think about that for just a minute. Anybody here ever felt powerless? Just felt like, I can't do nothing? Yeah, which day? <laughs> yeah, which hour? <laughs> so, yeah. Have you ever just felt powerless, like, like just you couldn't do nothing? Never forget that you are a jar of clay. If you're a Christ follower, you are a jar of clay, and the treasure you have inside of you is so valuable, and that treasure you have inside of you, it is the power of God. Don't tell me you don't matter. Don't tell me you got no purpose. Don't tell me you can't do nothing. If you are a Christ follower, if you are a believer, the spirit of the living God indwells you. Don't tell me you can't because he can through you. Right? Don't tell me you don't have purpose. Yeah, you have purpose. You're just listening to the enemy and you need to stop listening to the enemy. Paul used another letter to the church at Philippi and I'm not going to take it out of context. I'm just going to share it with you. He said, I can. He didn't say, I can't. He said, I can do all things, right? How? Through Christ in me. <laughs> Paul ain't an I can't guy. He's an I can guy. You want to know why? So that. So that Christ can be magnified. So that Christ can be glorified. So that others can be saved so that others can be transformed. Paul's a so that guy. I love that. Dr. David Jeremiah, this is so good. I quote him all the time because he's just so much better at speaking than I am. So I use him a lot. Dr. David Jeremiah says this in his commentary. He says, the Lord shines brightest. Listen to this. Anybody here have been broken before? Anybody broken right now? Listen to this. The Lord shines brightest through those who have been broken and yet given themselves to His use. The treasure of the gospel is currently contained within the fragile, frail, and fickle bodies of the redeemed. When Christians allow themselves to be jars of clay prepared for His service, God's glory will shine through their humanity 
and it will be recognized as His power, not theirs. It is in our weakness that we are made strong in Jesus by the Spirit of the living God. That's a powerful statement, right? So when you are broken, when you are brokenhearted, when you think, I can't, you need to focus on God's mercy. You need to focus on God's grace. You need to focus on God's love and remember that you can because He will, right? Even in your brokenness, I love that, right? Even in your brokenness, that's when God can shine the brightest. That's when God can. That's when God will shine the brightest. You just got to focus on God's mercy. You know what Paul did? Paul, throughout his life, and he says this in several of his letters, Paul experienced many hardships. He's experiencing one right now in the writing of this letter. Paul experienced many hardships, yet God sustained him. So God's not just the creator of life. God is the sustainer of life, right? And we can say that because we're here tonight. How many times have we felt like this was it, like we were going to die, like this is it, yet God kept breathing life into us, right? He's the sustainer of life. Paul chose to die to self. This is what he was talking about. He He chose to die to self so that the life of Jesus would be revealed. Paul says, we die so that you can live. We die to ourself so that the life of Christ can be revealed. That, that is so, so powerful. Another one of my favorite pastors, Dr. Tony Evans, says this. Anybody in here ever experienced problems and challenges? And you said, why God? <laughs> maybe you said it this way, why me? Or maybe you said, why now? I, I just had a flat tire, Right? Why does my headlight have to go out? My headlight just went out. So now, why, does my, why do I got to get a new fan belt? Like, I'm just using auto as one thing. But you might say, you know, health, right? I just got over pneumonia and I just found out I have cancer. Why me, God? Why now? Why the struggle? Listen to Dr. Tony Evans. Dr. Tony Evans says, God lets us experience challenges so that the divine life of Jesus can be manifested in our flesh. Those who claim that those who claim that faithfully following Jesus brings only blessings and never complications are dead wrong. That's that uh that's a, what what's that called? Yeah, that prosperity gospel. Oh, if you do this, God's going to do this. Oh, if you do this, God's going to do this. You better be careful, right? That's why I always point you to Scripture. Don't, don't believe just because Jeff told you. Believe because God said it, all right? You, you, need to, you need to always back it up with Scripture. Listen to what he says. He says, those who claim that faithfully following Jesus brings only blessings and never complications, they are dead wrong. God will allow the circumstances of 2 Corinthians 4, 9, into your life to force you to rely on Jesus. 
We see it in Isaiah, don't we? You might want to write this down. You might already know it because I I share the Scripture all the time. (laughs) Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 through 3. You know what God says? God says in Isaiah chapter 49, or 43, verse 1, You are mine. That's what He says. He said, I formed you, Jacob. I formed you, Israel. I created you. You are mine. But He also says in verses 2 and 3, When you pass through the deep waters, listen to that again. He said, when you pass through the deep waters. So guess what, Christ followers? There's going to be times when you are up to your nose in the water. Maybe sometimes it even gives above your nose and you have to get on your tiptoes and point your head to the sky, right? He says, when you pass through the waters, listen to this, you will not drown. He also says, When you walk through the fires, you will not be burned up. So think about that for a second. Right? Not if, when. So guess what? That's why I can say, if you ain't faced some hardships, right? If the enemy is not attacking you, you you need to take a step back and go, hey, (laughs) what gospel am I preaching? with my mouth and my life. What kingdom am I a part of? Because if Satan ain't attacking you, then he's satisfied. He's satisfied with what you're doing and the direction you're going. If he ain't coming against you, then something's wrong. Because Satan hates God. He hates God. That's why Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy from Christ's followers. Because you know who you are and whose you are and why you are. So Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life. He, want, he knows he can't have your soul, so guess what he wants? He wants your testimony. Huh? He don't want you to be a vessel. He don't want you to be a funnel. He wants your testimony. He wants your witness so that he can keep unbelievers veiled. You see what, I'm, you see what Paul's saying here? He wants unbelievers to stay blind. He does not want them to have sight. But remember what Jesus did? He sent out His disciples to do what? Heal the sick. Right? To heal the blind. To heal the lame. He, wanted, he sent the disciples out and said, You go out. And you cast the demons out. How could they do that? I'll tell you how they could do that. Because Jesus Christ was not just with them. He was in them. That's the only way they could do it. So look at how he finishes this letter up and we'll be done. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. It is written. You think that's a coincidence those three words are written right there? Somebody else said it is written three times. Yeah. Jesus in the wilderness when he was being tempted by Satan to sin, he said it three times. It is written. Look what Paul says. It is written. I believed, therefore... I have spoken. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus. I love that. He will raise us with Jesus and present us 
with you to himself. All of this is for your benefit, and here's that phrase again, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. What a powerful statement. Therefore, he says it again, we do not lose heart. He was focused on God's mercy and said, I do not lose heart, I will not quit. Now he's focused on God's grace, right? And the thanksgiving that overflows because Christ is being magnified. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though we are outwardly wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And look at this. Again, he's not minimizing the hardships. He's not minimizing the struggles in his life. But he's looking at the hardship and the struggles in his life through the lens of eternity. Look at what he says in verse 17. He says, Our light and momentary troubles. This is a man who was beaten almost to death, who was being challenged in and out of the church, who was jailed, right? He was given the death sentence more than once. And what does he call the hardships of his life? Light and momentary troubles. Man, I want some of what he's got. Because my, my challenges don't feel light. And they don't feel momentary. It feels like they just following me everywhere I go. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving. That means they got purpose, don't they? Remember what I said earlier? God is sovereign. I said this a few Sundays ago. God is sovereign. And if He didn't cause the hardship that you're facing in your life, He allowed it. Why? Paul says it right here. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So what do we do? We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Man, where I am right now in life, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is the best passage of Scripture I ever read. <laughs> I mean, I love this passage of Scripture. You know what Paul did? This is real simple. Paul spoke God's Word into his circumstances. You want to talk about an attitude adjustment. Jeff needs it all the time. And I thank God he gave me Marty. Because Marty is his vessel. A lot of times it's his grace and mercy, but sometimes it's his discipline. Here's what Paul did. He spoke God's word into his circumstances. Paul focused on the spirit of the living God in his heart. He focused on who he was, whose he was, and why he was. That's why he could say, Oh, this death that I face all day long, <laughs> it's light. It's just momentary. Because he spoke God into his circumstances. How many times, right, are we, we, we're drowning in our circumstances, right? We're blinded by our circumstances when all we got to do is look up. I think I heard that in the Chosen series a couple of times. Look up. Paul filtered. This is so good. Paul filtered everything through the lens of the resurrection. 
You remember how many times Paul said, I preach Christ crucified? I just challenge you, go look at it. How many times he says, I preach Christ crucified. And go back and look at how many times he preaches Christ resurrected. Everything he said and everything he did was with the resurrection in view. He said, because Christ has been resurrected, so will I. That's why he could face death all day long. That's why he could look at his light and momentary troubles and not be phased by it. This was his confidence. His confidence was not in himself. His confidence was in God who raised Jesus from the dead. Paul knew that Jesus' victory over sin and death and the grave was his victory. Right? It was his victory. He chose daily to focus on the truth of the gospel and not just focus on the truth of the gospel, but exercise it. That word's come up more than once today, hasn't it? Right? He exercised the truth. He lived it out loud. He didn't have confidence in himself. He had confidence in the power of God who finished the work in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Paul knew who he was, whose he was, and he knew why he was. Mm. You know what Paul's passion was? He said it right here in this, at the end of this passage. He said his passion was that God's grace would be poured out. God's grace, it would be poured out to others. And what would it cause? It would cause thanksgiving to God and glory for God. It would, be, it would just overflow, right? That's what, that's, that's what he said. I believe this is where we can truly understand what it means to be a jar of clay. If I am a jar of clay, I was, I was created to be a container of something very valuable. And you know what? It needs to come out. And whether it needs to come out by me being poured or whether it needs to come out with me being broken, either way, what's inside of me needs to come out. Sometimes the best way for us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ is through the struggle. It's through the hardship. And that's why Paul said he viewed his earthly hardships as temporary and light. Can you think about Just think about that a minute. If I were to ask you right now what you were going through, would you use the words temporary and light to describe it? No. I didn't think so. I wouldn't, I wouldn't describe mine like that right now. I can tell you that. I would tell you what, I would, I would describe mine as heavy and ongoing. <laughs> that's two words I wrote down about how I would describe my struggles. Right? The way I feel, I would use the words heavy and ongoing. But remember, it ain't about how you feel. It's about what you know and who you know. And so, when you're filtering everything that happens to you through the lens of the resurrection, maybe then you can describe your hardships as light and momentary. Why? Because what, I, what Paul had his eyes fixed on was eternal. Right? What Paul had his eyes fixed on was eternal. He, he was viewing everything through the lens of eternity. It wasn't just about him, and it wasn't just about right here, right now. Oh, it was about God's kingdom. Today and forevermore. His view was eternal. And so, again, I, I want to say this. Paul's not downplaying hardship. He's not downplaying suffering. He's not disregarding it or rejecting it. He's not going, oh, yeah, oh, well. 
That's not what he's doing. What, what he's doing is he's saying, yeah, yeah, it hurts. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. But God. Yeah, I don't, I don't really want to go to jail. I'd rather go to, you know, Macedonia and preach. <laughs> no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go there. No, I want to do this. I want to do, but God, so that. <laughs> He's a so that guy. He has his eyes, earthly and spiritual eyes, wide open. And it's his spiritual eyes that give his physical eyes clarity. How many of you wish you could see more clearly? Right? If you want to see more clearly, you got to get your spiritual eyesight right. If you get your spiritual eyesight right, your earthly eyesight will be right. It don't work the other way. It, it don't work the other way. you got to get the spiritual eyesight right if you want to get the earthly eyesight right. So, two questions. Number one, are we truly being vessels of God's love, grace, and power? Notice, notice I added that word power there at the end. Right? Paul wanted the Corinthian church to know that they had the power of God inside of them. That they could go out and preach the gospel and lives would be changed and transformed. Not because of them, but because of the power of God in them. And so are we truly being vessels of God's love, His grace, and power to others? And then secondly, are we filtering our circumstances of this life, right? The circumstances in this life through the lenses of the resurrection. Am I, am I filtering the things that happen to me, whether self-inflicted or not? Right? That's beside the point. Whether self-inflicted or not, am I filtering what's going on in my life through the lens of the resurrection? Because here's the thing, if you're, filtering, if you're filtering the circumstances of your life through the lens of the resurrection, guess what you're focused on? Guess who you're focused on? Jesus. You're focused on Jesus. I end with this quote, Paul David Tripp. He's another one of my favorites. This is so good. Paul David Tripp said this. He said, our weaknesses are not as terrifying when we are resting in the presence and the power of our Lord. Our weaknesses are not as terrifying when we are resting in the presence and the power of our Lord. What, what, what's holding us back? What, what's holding us back, right? What's holding us back from truly being Jars of clay that contain valuable treasure. Self. That's the word I was looking for. Me. God's not holding me back. It's self. You said it. Ourselves. Right? Our weakness. We, what do we try to do with our weaknesses when we're in a crowd? We try to hide them. We're afraid if somebody sees that chink in the armor, they got a spear waiting to pierce it in, right? That's what, we, we don't want to talk about our weaknesses. Again, I go back to that whole me thing, right? I want to win the race. I want people to know me as a winner, right? I want people to know me as a strong guy. I want people to know me as the guy has got it all together. Well, here's the truth. I ain't got it all together. 
And I miss more shots than I make. I do. I mess things up more than I make get things right. I just that's who I am. That's really who I am. And I'm gonna tell you, the more I admit that, the more I realize I need Jesus every second of every minute of every hour of every day. The more I open up and admit that, not just to myself, but to you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, right? The more I admit that, the more I will understand that in my weakness, He is strong. The more I'll understand that even though this jar of clay is fragile, right? It's frail and it's fickle. God can and will still use it. Think about that for just a minute. God entrusted you with the most valuable treasure that has ever existed. It's not gold. It's not silver. It's not popularity. It's not fame. It's Jesus. God entrusted you with Jesus Christ. And He didn't entrust you with Jesus Christ just to cap it off and hold on to it. He entrusted you with Jesus Christ to share it. To share it with the world. You are a jar of clay that contains a valuable treasure. Will you, are you pouring that out in your home, in your workplace, in your community? That's the question. Are you doing that? If not, will you, will you listen to what God says? I want you to know who you are. I want you to know whose you are. I want you to know why you are. You are created by God for God so that He might be glorified. Amen? I love 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I wish we could just camp out there for a few weeks, but for the sake of time and and, and context, we're going to move on to chapter 5 next week. So...